Ladies and gentlemen, the following episode of the Mount Rushmore podcast contains spoilers. Before listening, be sure to watch every movie that ever existed, read every book that ever existed, and go on the internet and look at everything that's on the internet. You've been warned. Hello and welcome to Mount Rushmore. My name is Jeff, and as always, I'm joined by my pretty good friends, Richard. Hello. And my casual acquaintance, Michael. Howdy. Uh, Richard and Michael are locked in mortal combat about things that they don't like or like and sometimes agree, but mostly disagree. And that is no different. Today is spoiler alert. The Mount Rushmore of spoiler alerts. Okay. Who thought of this and why? This was my choice. And wait, don't give it away. Nah, go ahead. Okay. (laughs) Spoiler alert. This was my choice. And uh, I chose this one because this is such a common occurrence in our day-to-day consumption of media, be it movies or television or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, sports even, where there is this personal um, responsibility Mm -hmm. that is uh, given away by the people watching what they're doing. There's yeah. like, it's like, it's like a two sides of a coin. There's people that want to talk about this amazing thing that they've seen. Mm-hmm. And then there's the people that uh, have been trying to avoid it. Yeah. Yet still engage. Mm-hmm. And I'm very interested in the person. Oh, that is so, engage in society. <laughs> or yeah, engage in I, a conversation about her. I mean, I'm interested in the person who is so uh, into a particular thing, uh, a TV series, and they want to be surprised yet given that they're still online yeah. all day long yeah. and then they blame society for mm-hmm. ruining their experience when yeah. man, it's on you. Yeah. Like sure. Maybe part of it's on the other person that wants to talk about it, but at the same time, yeah. you knew, you know what's coming on. Yeah. You, you know that there's a yeah. potential. It's called social media and people tend to socialize around things such as entertainment. So back yeah. off. Yeah. So I'm interested in kind of all aspects about it and for the movies and TV series and whatever yeah. that we, we can get into it. Okay. So Michael chose it. Richard, you start. Okay. So my first choice, I'm glad you mentioned sports. Yeah. Because I have on here actually what I had tech was any life sporting event. But if we really want to get specific about it, the Olympics uh, on my list as well. And uh, we can we can get into this. We can one. get into it right away. <laughs> right. Because, Michael, I think, you know why I put the Olympics on there, especially for you. I, wait, let me let me just say a spoiler. It's not a spoiler. This is going to be a short episode. <laughs> OK, go ahead. All right. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. The Olympics are weird. Yeah. So Michael and often take place in times that aren't where you are. Right. And um, so Michael and I are part of a Facebook group with uh, friends of ours and friends of friends. Not anymore. Well, Michael used to be. Yeah. And during the the London Olympics, I believe Mm -hmm, 2012. Yeah. You posted right before the Olympics started a request not to post spoilers about Olympic events because you wanted to watch them during primetime privacy your own home without knowing, right? Was that the gist of it? Basically. And back up to back up a little bit. This was a group of, of pretty, you know, friends that kind of knew each other for the most part. And with all guys, there tends to be like a little bit of jocularity and crassness and, uh, locker room talk, (laughs) a lot of pussy grabbing. (laughs) That's awful. (laughs) Uh, but like, you know, you can call someone a dick. 
Yeah. And it's no big deal. Yeah. Uh, I said something to the likes of, and I was new to this group, like, Hey, let's not be assholes and not like ruin each other's experience watching the Olympics. Yeah. Man, was I wrong trying, trying to presume that that would be taken in the spirit of of politeness at the same time, kind of being a dick myself. Yeah. Just trying to join in, you know? Yeah. Uh, you read the room wrong. You read the crowd wrong. Immediately, the act of telling someone what they should or shouldn't do was drowned out by the mm-hmm. biggest a holes in the group. Yeah, and they, they, which and, was most of them, and made it like their mission to now go out of their way uh, to be awful about okay. it. And it's just like, man, I just want to watch the presentation of sports that I don't generally care about. Mm-hmm. So, like the Olympics, it's not like I for the most part care about who wins or loses as a casual fan. Uh, I wanted to enjoy the, you know, NBC presentation and I was able to avoid going on ESPN and maybe I just thought too much, but it was just immediately (laughs) shot down and like, and that was my first lesson in while people are just going to be unnecessarily cruel Uh because of right. Because they can. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Do, are you am I imagining that you're doing a 180 from what you said at the beginning of this, that people are being naive if they think they can. Oh, engage sure. I'm in, def- I'm, I'm, or is it because it was a group within within the realm of Facebook? It was it's kind of twofold. Like okay. one, it was like I, I thought that the smartest thing to do would be to ask nicely. Oh, yeah. But you also called them assholes. Yeah. Uh, but it was within the realm of. Again, reading the room wrong. Let, let's yeah. say you were a mom and you 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 were amongst you were a mom who had a baby with a unibrow, and then people would know not to talk about unibrows and joke about it. Yeah, if their babies didn't have that. That seems like a oh, polite. I'm not, I'm not supposed to. Oh shit! Let me write this. Down. That seems like the politeness that that you would afford people in the community, but the fact that you asked would led to retribution. Yes. Yeah, okay. Okay. But then also, you know. That was, I think, my first real lesson in like owning your own social media. Yeah. Like, okay, at that point, it's on me to turn off notifications and specific notifications for whatever and not to pay attention as much and not to, like, I wasn't really, I didn't really follow Twitter at that time and four or five years ago, what, five years ago now? Like, you know, it was a thing, but it wasn't a thing that I was involved in. I watched sport, you know, I watched Mm -hmm. whatever, like, I I couldn't watch it at work. I didn't have a job where I, the, stuff was on all day or streaming. So I was definitely at a disadvantage in that sense. Yeah. But it was like, like you said, I read the room wrong. And if I hadn't called them like a holes, maybe no, but they, <laughs> they would have still, they would have, yeah. my, my reading of it, you know, postmortem was the act of telling you what to do. Yeah. Was the wrong thing mm-hmm. or asking mm-hmm. what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, this is something that I think comes up with these major like global mm-hmm. sports events. Like you don't have this with the Super Bowl. No. Like if you wa- if you didn't watch the Super Bowl and you have it on your TiVo or whatever or you know, on your cable that's on, box, yeah. that's on you. Right. But you wouldn't, exp- you know, because it's you should be watching it, I guess. But if it's the World Cup and it's being played in mm-hmm. South Korea and the games are on at like seven in the morning and you can't watch yeah. them, then you have to do you have to do this like it's on, you have to do this work, mm-hmm. active work to not 
be spoiled. Here's here are the last three Olympics since we we're just talking about the Olympics, but I guess the World Cup falls into it because it's also a, you know, happens every four years. Uh, Brazil, four hours ahead. It's not bad. I can, you know, yeah. you can, that's kind of like watching something on the East Coast. Okay, yeah. that's fine. Uh, London, eight hours ahead. That's, that's tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No matter when you watch it, it's out of, out of sync. Uh, Beijing, 15 hours ahead and What's strange, always on a Wednesday, no matter what day, <laughs> it was just always just randomly Wednesday, uh, 15 hours ahead, no matter what day you were watching it. So it was always just kind of screwed up. Yeah, so something with the international dateline <laughs> fucked it up. I, uh, yeah, I, but even with Brazil, NBC decided we're going to tape delay everything because right. we want everything to be shown in prime time. Is that what it was? Or they would show stuff even that was live on the East coast, but then they would tape delay it for the West coast. So like, if you kind of like how, if you watch Saturday night live, it's live on the East coast, but you're seeing a three hour tape delayed version of that. Mm-hmm. You had like a couple different options. I think for Brazil, like they, you know, have multiple channels and they had like their live events. So you could watch, right. You could watch, uh, Bravo or something. Yeah, yeah. You could watch stuff happening, you know, kayaking as it happened and you could watch, you know, the big events like gymnastics as they happened. But then they also had a primetime edited down version that you could enjoy with the family from, you know, eight to 11, mm-hmm. eight to 12, whereas like condensed and sure it showed the majority of Americans winning. Right. Or in the events that uh, we actually cared about, we excel in and yada, yada. But like, Man, just yeah. uh, I screwed that it's, one up. It's no triple cast. No. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but I do, and and people bitch about NBC about NBC specifically about that, right? And I just think it's like it. It's never been where everything was live and you could just see it. It's better now than it ever has been for that. Sure. Like okay, the Miracle on Ice, nineteen eighty, that was in the United States, and they still showed that on a tape delay. They showed it on like a three hour tape delay, even on the East coast instead of showing it live because it was like started at like four 30 mm-hmm. East coast time. But the difference was it's 1980. Nobody, there's no social media. Yeah. There's no, you know, 24 hour cable TV showing you the results. Well, I would love to discuss what is different now than it was before. I think of uh, time and place shifting with entertainment and information and discussions that happen in social media you seem like you would be able to kind of tune them out, but social media is also the place where you might need to know. You might need to go to Facebook to know where to meet your friend for dinner that night. Sure. So it's harder to avoid. I would say there's two things going on. I think instantaneous communication and instantaneously knowing what's going in the world at all times. And you've just become accustomed to it. Yeah. And the second thing is, you know, especially in the mid nineties and into two thousands was the rise of so many cable channels and cable conglomerates like NBC, like you said, owns Bravo owns a number of different sports networks owns AMC. So you could like, they had a platform to show every sport that was happening live at the same time, if you chose to watch it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that leads to just the immediacy of, I mean, sports are an immediacy. Like they happen in real time. Yeah. They, they don't happen on a sound stage and then are recorded. And then, you know, you see the final product edited together. Right. And I think NBC or at least the coverage tries to do that to some extent because they want to control this product that they pay billions of dollars for in royalties every year. Right. And, 
there's an idea that they're trying to shape the narrative yeah. versus what people watch sports for is primarily mm-hmm. to see a narrative that's un, kind of uncontrollable, mm-hmm. you know, you, where you narrative might, might not break the way that you expect it to, mm-hmm. or anything like that. I remember the Indianapolis 500 used to be shown on tape delay up until like 86. Like it was ABC would, you know, it, it'd be like morning, early afternoon, the actual race, but then they would, package it into a three hour broadcast that would run primetime, you know, Sunday night of uh, Memorial day weekend. And for as a kid, even as a kid, it was hard to avoid. I remember one time I did a great job. I didn't watch any sports that whole weekend because the other networks would spoil it like dicks. They would try and t- say like, Oh, by the way, so-and-so won the Indianapolis 500. You're like, Oh fuck dicks network. Yeah. That's dick sporting goods. Dick sporting. Goods oh, sorry. Network. Yeah. <laughs> So they would, they would, where is this dicks network that I've been missing out? <laughs> Where's it been my whole life? Oh my God. He's right. It's all dicks. <laughs> I believe that's called Fox. Okay. I remember one time I did a great job, avoided it all night, was sitting down to win the race or watch the race. Like it was eating dinner. It was going to come on after that. My mom said the blue. Ah, so Gordon Johncock won the Indianapolis 500, huh? Uh, uh, mom, <laughs> what do you do? Oh, when she was kidding. Oh, you didn't hear? That was not a fun night. Two things I, I think is interesting was um, the what I've noticed on social media. I don't even know what how to term it, but the 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 pride of being the first to acknowledge the death of a celebrity or some kind of life event, like R.I.P. Uh, Rue McClanahan, you know, the person who's nobody's been talking about um, this celebrity who's died, right. R.I.P. Jamie Farr. He's, I'm glad he's alive. Don't die, Jamie Farr. But like the person wants to post that and show that they are the first to know. And I think that happens with with spoilers and stuff too. <laughs> sure. That's also like that weird kind of uh, message board culture that has come up in the uh-huh. last, you know, 15 years where you go on like the AV club or ain't it cool news or someplace and whatever. There's always like that first comment that yeah. someone has to say first. first yeah. As like you don't win anything. Yeah. There is no prize for being the first no, to write they first. They right. win the internet. Oh, okay. They win the internet. So, How many points go. did you get for that? Uh, five. Oh, well, that's pretty good. That's let, pretty me, good. let me ask like you. Like our last podcast, we each yeah, got five points. Got five. What does a spoiler take from you? It takes the feeling of... Of surprise. It, it, you flip to the back of the book and you see how it ends and now you got to read the damn book. Yeah, it's a combination of surprise and suspense. Like this thing that you've invested either time or I guess you just your time and enjoyment in and you're just like, oh, well, okay. I guess, yeah. I, don't, I, guess I don't need to read that anymore. And I suspect many of the are future choices that are less real life based. We'll look at these and say, after you get, after you see it the first time, there's still a lot of value in going back and rewatching it now that you know whatever the twist is or the big thing that's spoiled, quote yeah. unquote, mm-hmm. because now you watch it and you're within the context of knowing what that is and you see things are like, oh, that's a clue that was oh, yeah. was pointing toward that. So you, but you kind of lose that initial sort of not knowing that and kind of having it sprung on mm-hmm. you. I here, I pulled up this thing uh, that someone wrote that was listed as the five types of spoilers. So I'll, do you mind if I go through them oh, in quick succession? Uh, the first one is the shameless spoiler. Uh, you don't, this is, you don't believe in spoilers and that it's kill or be killed on social media. The second was the power spoiler where you relish in the spoil and relish showing off what you knew 
uh, first, which I think that's what mm-hmm. you kind of spoke to. Uh, the coded spoiler, you're a super fan who respects lesser mortals by speaking in code. Uh-huh. Uh, the fourth is the impulsive spoiler where you can't help it and you just have to say that you saw it. And then the last one is the clueless spoiler where you can't work out why people get so upset with the inadvertent yeah. uh, thing that you spoiled. Yeah. And I think you see that happen less so with sports, but probably more some of our other picks that we might have coming mm-hmm. up. That's right. Okay, let's get on to those. Uh, Richard came out. You're the next one. He oh. came out. Richard came out. I came out. <laughs> That's fabulous. <laughs> so we had the first, we had the same pick as the first one. And the second one, uh, I guess my second pick is from uh, something that happened in space. And it was Star Trek II, oh. The Wrath of Khan. Huh, okay. Um, which was the death of Spock and transfer of memories. Wait, what? Oh, yeah. Spoiler uh, alert. Uh, and I chose this not because of my great love for uh, uh, Star Trek, um, but because they traced it back and they found the first use of spoiler alert on the internet oh. to a Usenet group uh, where this uh, guy basically wrote, uh, and I'll read it real quick. He said, um, spoiler alert regarding Spock's parting gesture to McCoy. It wouldn't surprise me if that's how they bring him back if they do. But then I have a low opinion on Star Trek scripts. Spock's farewell to Kirk sounded pretty final to me. Uh, So this is a guy supposing something. And this was back in like uh, 1982. Wow. Where was this written on? It was like a a Usenet group. Wow. And so they were able to trace it back to like this very first time that someone had the, uh, the wherewithal to actually be uh, conscious wow. of s- someone else's feelings, mm-hmm. which is just almost gone nowadays. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I think in Star Trek, you know, in the series, they were a little bit older, mm-hmm. you know, by the time they'd gotten around to the second movie, yeah. which, I, yeah. you know, even took place a number of years past Star Trek, the motion picture, yeah, yeah. which took place a number of years mm-hmm. past, uh, you know, the original series, but for them to kill off Spock, was still pretty alarming. I mean, I was four years old, so I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. know who, who knows. Oh yeah. But looking back and supposing what people would, you know, that would have been a big thing to drop. Like they killed mm-hmm. the main, basically the second lead yeah. behind, you know, behind uh, Kirk. What's mm-hmm. his name? Chatner. Chatner. Thank yeah. you very much. William. Oh, oh, B- oh, Bill. Sorry. I know him as Bill. Bill. Chatner. <laughs> but I was very interested in the very first use of someone being polite on the yeah. internet when it came to first spoilers. Yeah. Did you research the first time someone said you asshole? <laughs> it was uh, the very next post. Yeah. Right? Being love- like, what does this spoiler alert thing mean? Uh, yeah, that, that would be spoiler alert and you wouldn't even know really what it was. I, I don't know what spoiler alert even means. So it seems like he's alarming me to something. There's so many films that were adapted from novels. So I can imagine too, there was a, an era in which most of the films that you, many of the films you went to, you, you know that Scarlett O'Hara is going to survive or you know that Dorothy's mm. going to get back to Kansas. So mm. you might not have had that concern or that um, uh, the South is going to win the civil war. Am I getting yeah, with, with, <laughs> with a, with a movie out of nothing, you wouldn't, yeah. have, you wouldn't have necessarily yeah. known yeah, yeah. unless they put out like a novelization beforehand. And, right. You know, it's, it's interesting to see how they've changed the way that they've done that over the years mm-hmm. is where they've kind of delayed until a big tentpole movie has come out before they kind of yeah. novelize I, it. Um, thinking of the psycho and, and Alfred Hitchcock's uh, um, 
purchasing all the novels, the copies of Psycho that were out there because he didn't want anybody to know really? the ending. Yeah, so he instructed one of his assistants to go oh, that's throughout Los Angeles and purchase up every copy of the book that was in bookstores and and locally just, conscious. Yeah, yeah, locally conscious. So. Okay, uh, Mr. Manfredi. My second one is The Usual Suspects. Oh, um, good I'm, choice. I do remember seeing this in the theater and sometimes you can figure it kind of work out. I, I think I'm actually decent at working out kind of twist endings. Oh, here's, here's a little quick shout out to my stepdad, Morgan, uh, Morgan yeah. Hunter, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, listens to this podcast. Hi Morgan. And who was in the usual suspects. Oh really? He was the, uh, he played the, the burned Hungarian. Oh wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Hey Morgan. Hey Morgan. What's up? <laughs> That's awesome. Who gets, who gets to yell out Kaiser. <laughs> That's really right. I think he's actually part of the, uh, the uh, final montage when Chasmal Palminteri is like piecing it all together. I think oh, you probably. hear him say that. I just watch it. So yeah, yeah it's interesting. <laughs> and I didn't figure this shit out. No, this is oh, one no. that was just completely like, yeah, what? <laughs> um, I think this one's fascinating to me because as a, it's one of the ones where it makes you have to completely revisit the movie mm-hmm. now that you've worked this out. You know what? Now that you've this is one of those that now that you've seen it and you've seen at least some of the things he's picking up on to craft this story. Yeah, you then go back and rewatch it, and it's like kind of you, you get the sense of like where's the reality in the story that he's telling to some extent versus mm-hmm. stuff that he's just completely making up. Um, it's just a fascinating script. I mean, it and a lot of these when it's a really naughty sort of story, not naughty as in body, but and no okay. twists and turns twisty. Yeah. You get done and you're sort of blown away by it, but then you go back and rewatch it and say, wait a second, if that's the case, then it, yeah. it gets, it can get convoluted mm-hmm. upon multiple rewatchings. This for the most part doesn't is a uh, fight club on your list. No. Okay. Right. I'll bring up fight club. Cause it's not on my list either. Okay. Uh, yeah, I agree. Like fight club is very much has that wait, same guys. No, Spoiler alert. First rule. <laughs> sorry. That's sorry. Uh, sorry. Never mind. Fight Club is what? <laughs> uh, Fight Club. Oh, sh- that's twice now I've done it. <laughs> the mo- the movie what? with Edward Norton <laughs> and Brad Pitt. Yeah. I like that. I like that it's become Hamlet. <laughs> Macbeth. Oh. <laughs> Macbeth. Yes. Thank you. You said it. You oh, idiot. Sh- oh, my, my God. I'm an asshole. Now we're going to do that. Um, they did a very similar thing with that where they were a little more heavy handed with their clues, especially yeah. in on rewatch. And I think, you know, with the, you know, the, the cuts on the screen and all the little things that they did to for their big reveal. But I think that, uh, usual suspects was definitely a little more subtle. Like, you know, there's re- he's reading things on the other side of the desk. Right. And if you don't have like an HD TV, you're never going to be able to piece yeah. it together just by what you see. You have to piece it together by what you're presented yeah. at the end. He, he is the unreliable narrator. He's yeah, the person that, who's yeah. telling it's, us. Yeah, yep. definitely. And it's interesting rewatching some of the scenes ahead of this. The last line based, basically the last line before Chaz Palminteri kind of figures it out. He's talking to uh, Dan Hadia. This is like his partner and he's telling him about, it. he's got this totally messy desk cause he'd been, they'd been sitting at, like his desk during the interrogation. And he says, Dan had just says something to the effect of, well, no, but it's all, 
it's totally organized there. I just the only one who knows where it is. And he says, mm-hmm. it all makes sense when you look at it, right? You just got to stand back from it. And then that's like the last line before he kind of looks up and sees yeah. the Skokie uh, quartet thing yeah. where he starts pieces together. The, uh, the barbershop quartet. Uh-huh. It's funny when you hear it again, it's like, he's making up the story about he was in a barbershop quartet in Skokie, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And he was, Picking, coffee mug picking has coffee. Yeah. He was picking coffee in Paraguay. It's like when you hear his actual story, like it's like this doesn't make it. There's this, this, this crippled person. Yeah. You know, lives this like inc- incredible life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. Like when you sit down and think about it, it sounds like bullshit. Yeah. But in the actual context of the movie, the first time you watch it, it just sounds like, well, of course, how could you make up? I was in a barbershop quartet. In Skokie, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Why would you even do you those have, words come out of your mouth? Yeah. Right. In, in relation to the topic, do you recall there being like an outrage at the time of like the ending and the twist, like coming out early or like that being a thing that was leaked or had any friends? Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you have any friends that had like ruined it for you that came out and you're just like, well, thanks. Todd. No, I feel like I saw it always Todd. Yeah. Todd's an asshole. I feel like I saw it opening weekend Mm. or close to opening weekend within the first couple of weeks. So I don't think, I don't think I'd been spoiled by then. That's a very good point. And it's, it's amazing how much the rush to see a movie opening weekend, uh, I think is still a a big driving factor on a a movie Mm. success, but on a movie like this, uh, where, it becomes imperative where like you don't know that there's a twist, right? But you're thankful that you saw it, you know, Saturday yeah. at, mm-hmm. at eight o'clock because, you know, possibly by yeah. Monday morning water cooler, you know, Todd yeah. from accounting would be like, mm-hmm. Hey guys, he, <laughs> I, I mean, I knew it the entire, I knew he was Kaiser Sosa the entire time yeah. or SNL might've parried it or, right. some, or something. you yeah. could, you could get, and you could deduce whether they revealed it or not. You could deduce what the spoiler was. And, right. and, and there's one of my picks later on. We can talk about the, uh, the expiration date for spoiler alerts. Mm-hmm. There's something I do want to touch on. Sure. Yeah. Um, a couple other things about this. One thing is that it's interesting to me because this movie works even if there's no spoiler, even, even if this movie had been constructed so that verbal, clear. verbal Kent is not Kaiser Soze. Mm-hmm. it's wait still, what spoiler alert <laughs> oh shit <laughs> how many times are we going to make this joke oh, guys Pull it seven more spoiler so we're not even at halftime yet so <laughs> we got a, a, way, a ways to go i'm sorry audience um <laughs> it's still a ta- like a good thriller yeah thriller even yeah. without that twist like yeah. you could have found a way to wrap up the movie mm-hmm. i'm sure without that twist yeah so it doesn't necessarily feel like a movie that was made just yeah. For the twist. I'm um, also interesting to me because this, we talked about, we had the episode a few weeks ago about they, they use ex, ex machinas. Oh yeah. And this is not one of those. This isn't something that it feels like it's comes naturally within the flow of the story. It doesn't feel like something that they just sort of threw in at the end. Like, Oh, he actually was that he, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't this person at all. He was somebody else. Yeah. It, it feels like it mm-hmm. was worked well worked into the plot. Mm-hmm. And again, when you go back and rewatch mm-hmm. it and you see all of the, the signs behind it, I think that's that brings up two issues that I think are very fascinating is that uh, it, within usual suspects, 
we kind of discover the power of story and how this fast talking man presents a story about who he is and where he's been that allows him to escape uh, imprisonment. Right. <laughs> and that, that really delivers on what you lose when you get a spoiler, you, you lose the whole power of story. Right. And in fact, you end up at a destination and you didn't even get to go on the journey. And then I find that fascination, fascinating, like what the a spoiler is ultimately a destination, but it has no value if you haven't gone on the journey. Right. Yeah. So it does take a lot of the, the oomph of storytelling out of there. And last thing for me on this is I think this works well because you have him telling a story to a secondary character who can kind of act as the audience's surrogate. Yeah. In, in Chaz Palminteri being somebody who not only is the person who winds up being surprised by it, but spends most of the movie acting superior. Mm hmm to verbal can mm, he kind of yeah. berates him for being a cripple and somebody, you know, nobody mm-hmm. and how much he's smarter than him. Chaz Palminteri smarter than him. And he's going to figure out what's going on no matter what, you know, regardless of what he says, that's actually yeah. a line that he says at one point. And I think that in, in there's a couple other examples, at least one other in one of my uh, examples, one of my choices that has is very similar. I think if you have somebody, a character that, that in the movie that the big reveal gets played off of, I think it allows you sort of have a sense of connection with that mm-hmm. character. Like you were all taken in together. Yeah. It's a great casting too. If it was, let's say if Stephen Baldwin was playing the verbal can't rule, right? <laughs> that would have been a different, uh, uh, different story because I think Kevin Spacey has this type of persona in which you really don't believe much of what he says anyway. Yeah. I mean, though, I don't know if I'm trying to think was this, I guess this was after seven, right? Same year, same year. Yeah. Yeah. So, so before this, he had been just sort of like a journeyman, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of character actor. Yeah. So I don't, this is probably where between that and seven where he kind of built that persona, Mm -hmm. I think in a lot of ways. Um, I I actually thought you meant the the casting of Chaz Palminteri. Oh, okay. Which I can kind of see that working because he's somebody who you believe that he thinks he's somebody who's smarter than, than than verbal Kent, Mm -hmm. but probably really isn't. Yeah. And I no knock knock on Chaz Palminteri, but I think he's good at playing characters who are kind of smart, dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Hey guys, we're at halftime. You know, everybody's going to be talking about every episode of the Mount Rushmore podcast. And if you don't listen to all the old episodes, you're going to be um, spoiled because they're going to talk about the ending to them. And you're going to feel dumb because you haven't already seen or heard them and listened to them. And if you don't go to the iTunes and download, listen, rate and review all the past episodes, we're never going to know what you find is interesting about our podcast or what you'd like to hear us discuss in the future. You can also share that information on Facebook by going to the Mount Rushmore community there. And they also, and you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We're back. And, um, David Brown, if you're listening, we're not talking about sports anymore. Maybe you've zoomed fast forward ahead, uh, but we're not talking about sports. We haven't for like 20 minutes. Michael, what do you got? My third is also about space. It's also about a war set in the stars. And this is, is it Battlestar Galactica. It was, it's about Battlestar Galactica. Okay. Uh, this is the moment in the Empire Strikes Back when uh, Darth Vader uh, reveals to Luke Skywalker that he is his father. And then Luke screams, 
Yeah. Yeah. What made me think about this was that at some point, my little son who's coming into this world in three to four short weeks may actually be here by the time, by the time this episode, that's right. As of this date, he's three weeks away or so. I'm so excited. Um, I'm going to have to navigate that strange universe of when I show him star Wars, Mm -hmm. do I show him star Wars, then empire and then do the machete order and go back and show him the prequels. Mm -hmm. Why do you need to show him the prequels? Because he's going to, because he's a a little boy and he's going to want to see lightsabers and mullet Obi-Wan. And then at some point he's going to be mad here. How about this at eight years old? If I haven't, if he hasn't seen him, all his friends are going to have been talking about how cool Jar Jar Binks is. <laughs> yeah, and that's I, true. Good point. And I'm going to have to be like pod racing. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, so I have to figure out how much, when do you start? Do you just show episodes one, two and three yeah. and four, five and six, one, two and three rogue one, four, five and six mm-hmm, and seven, mm-hmm, eight, nine. Mm-hmm. Do you, uh, what is the order and how do I preserve what is like this transcendent moment in the movie? You show them four, five, six, and then you show them Rogue One, and then whatever the next one is. Holiday special. And then you show them the holiday special. And then you kind of throw a VHS tape of the first three and go, hey, if you want to watch this too. Uh, in the future, we're, we're not going to have anything. It's going to be yeah. a sheet of plastic that we pull down and we think about what's going to be on screen. And there, there it is. I had actually this conversation with Emily the other day about how all this technology that I have to teach my kid. Uh, I won't need to worry about because it's not going to exist in yeah, years. Yeah, true. He's going to be so far. We're going to be so far ahead of whatever. That, uh, but you're it, such a hipster yourself. He's this kid's probably going to want to like learn how to make artisan ketchups or mustache. Sure. Wax also, or the, presum- like that. the presumption this kid wants to see Star Wars, I guess. Is, yeah, <laughs> is is out there. But I don't know. I, yeah, your kid is going to like football and like uh barbecue and chicken wings it's not scott jones kid <laughs> but the is it? i guess i guess <laughs> no oh god no god no uh what I, I i liked about this obviously other than like my personal navigation of how to yeah. resolve this issue was that when darth vader first revealed it back in you know 1980 people came out of the movie theaters being like oh he's he's lying yeah that's what I thought that he's, he's just, he's the bad guy and he's dressed in black. And of course he's just lying to this guy to mm-hmm. get him to turn yeah. and join his, you know, the evil emperor and yeah. overthrow the, the empire and whatever. Mm-hmm. And people kind of came out of it feeling like, so was he lying? Was Obi-Wan lying? I thought Obi-Wan said that he killed him. Yeah. And then you have to wait another three years before it's like, yeah, he killed him. Sort of. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I mean, I was a little young to see it in the theaters, but I think this was something that kind of threw people for a loop. Oh, yeah. I, I, as a kid, I, I saw it in the theater and I did think he was lying. And there's also even as a young person, I don't I, I, I'm like Richard in that when something like Usual Suspects, I'm sorry, by the way, I'm so <laughs> much like Richard when the usual I don't. I don't analyze films. I just see them and I, I do not try to hack or, or figure out what the story is. I, I'm just, maybe I'm just maybe can't instead of do is, is the <laughs> word. Cause I just don't have the analytical brain. Can't or cannot. I'm there ca- is no yeah. analyzing. I'm just floating in the story. I'm not kind of paddling ahead to try to guess what the ending is. And I don't have a very good faculty at doing that. 
Um, I it also like somebody way, by the way, somebody didn't read encyclopedia Brown books. When oh, they were kids, I did so guess one of those things. The egg was hard boiled. Exactly. That's why you could spin. But I also thought Darth Vader was like a robot person or something. So I didn't think he could be Luke's father because I thought he was mostly a robot or <laughs> yeah. something. Yeah, like a robo penis. <laughs> yeah. Robot wiener. You're like seven. So yeah. you said wiener. I'm when, sorry. Yeah. Mark Campbell says, no, you've got a robot wiener. It was the line that they cut before <laughs> he jumped off. Yeah. So that's that's why I, I didn't think it was true. You know, I think we're also in this new era, as we've mentioned before, of Twitter and uh, websites and things being spoiled. And, uh, you know, I remember when the Phantom Menace came out, like I was so jazzed up to see star Wars. Oh yeah. That I remember going on like, and you know, in 99 or 97, mm-hmm. even like being at college, you know, nerd alert and looking online to see like, Oh, look at like a new star Wars spaceship and yeah. not worrying about spoilers. I was just so excited to see it. Yeah. And you know, as I've, grown older and dorkier and like I've learned to kind of temper that and be like you know what you'll when you see it you're going to be blown away so don't yeah like this the self-preservation of spoilers is this new thing of like well don't spoil it for me because I I recognize that I'm adult enough to Mm -hmm. want that feeling of newness when you shake the Christmas present to kind of discover its identity. Sometimes you'll hear a telltale rattle that lets you know exactly what it is. Yeah, or a bark. <laughs> or a bark. Oh, no. It's th- still three weeks to Christmas. <laughs> this puppy's gonna die. But I think part of the whole spoiler culture is that self uh, restraint. Yeah. That you have to, at this point, temper yourself. Yeah. As or I mean, you could go both ways. You could be the person that just dives head in and you know everything that's going on before the movie comes out yeah and you know what they look like you know the names of the planets you know you you you're actively engaged in trying to decipher all of the clues Uh that does that's how i would go see an italian opera like i need to know what the (laughs) fuck is happening let me read the wiki first right (laughs) i gotta know who's this cosi and who's this fontute uh so richard all right so my next one is the red wedding from also on my list okay you're gonna go back to back here then oh okay after this okay sounds good i can do this yeah and this was the one the first time i i remember on social media people getting like angry yes about about being spoiled yeah and now i don't really watch game of thrones like sarah watches it spoiler alert it's a good show it's fine I I have uh, wait, wait 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 haven't can, seen it. Yeah, it's you, fine. Wait, yeah. How, how, no, I, I I said I don't really watch it. Like I don't watch. I don't sit down every uh-huh. week to like watch every episode. Sarah watches it, so it. Her dad watches it, so it's on while I'm in the room, and I uh-huh. sort of pay you know half attention to it. Okay, so it's 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 fine. I don't I don't hate it. I don't love it. It's sure. a show, so I don't get. I, I'm certainly not wrapped up in the spoiler alerts. Yeah, you know, I am somebody who will follow read like the recaps mm-hmm. the next day just so I'm kind of culturally aware of like what's happening on the show. Right. So that for the next week when people are making Twitter Red, Red wedding references, jokes. yeah, Twitter <laughs> references about it or whatever, I am aware of what's happening. But this bullshit is the one that I just remember friends being like yeah. legitimately upset at other friends. Yeah when this went down. It also is like George R.R. R. Martin seemed to make a sport 
of destroying characters that you loved. Right. So why that response was happening, I, I guess I don't know why it's so extreme because it was so gory. It was pretty brutal. Yeah. And especially if you don't know what's going on to see most of the main cast just eviscerated. wiped out and yeah. eviscerated in the span of five minutes. You're just, you're like, Oh, they, they yeah. can do that. They can just kill everybody like that. And this That's, is, this is also a show I, in, in hindsight where they had killed off the main Stark, the head of the yeah. Stark family. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't and, do that on Cheers where everybody at the bar gets just, killed. They just beheaded. <laughs> a steamroller plows into Cheers. Is that they, what happened? They beheaded coach? Paul. Yeah. Coach, yeah. They, uh, they already, you know, and, and also the, the main character, the person who's basically the main character of the show for the first season and the person who you probably character, the actor you knew the most. Mm-hmm. And then next season, basically kill most of the rest of his family. This was also the first instance of people actively putting up like Twitter filters oh. where, you, where you could like block us, you know, you could block mentions of game of thrones in oh. your feed. Right. And I think you can do that on Facebook too. And you, there might even be like a Chrome extension where you can actively go in and do game, of, game of Chrome <laughs> where you can, you know, if, if you're so concerned with it, you can go in and put these things to kind of wow. automatically dilute what you see so if i type what you see jeff hopkins sucks i won't see that anymore (laughs) i i guarantee you've never seen that jeff (laughs) (laughs) i wish your guarantee had some impact on reality um the game of thrones is such an interesting thing because it has existed for 15 years as a book i was going to ask this not being familiar with the book or you know as a fanboy of the tv show at least Wasn't that something is wasn't the red wedding in the book? Oh, it's all in the book. Then what the hell are people? What, what shouldn't, but they haven't seen it. There, there's also a, I, I would say that there's, this thing has like two sides. There is the people who have read the book that know the story. I've never read the books. I I've just seen nobody the show. has. <laughs> I remember, I don't there's seven people that have, <laughs> it's the same people that, uh, that watched Doctor Hob- Who and read the Hobbit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, or the similar crime. Let's say that. <laughs> there, there are the people that know the story inside and out and act high and mighty about their pre-knowledge, knowing that these things are going to happen. Right. And that kind of sit back on their, you know, in their chair and observe the chaos. Uh, but right now there's those same people don't know what's happening. Cause it's the books. It's gone off the rails from because the book, it's, right? it's overtaken the book. So uh, I can't remember the name of the podcast. There's one that I listen to. That's like a game of Thrones podcast. And it's like the people that have been so like knowledgeable and uh, steeped in lore. And suddenly they're out in the wilderness yeah. and it's so delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> to see, see these people yeah. falling on their own swords. The tour guide has, has no map. To the- <laughs> yeah. I, 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 this also I remember because because there was a lot of like the oh as this episode was coming up people who knew the book I seem to remember sort of like oh I think I know what's going to come up next sure. week you yeah. guys aren't going to be too happy with it yeah and it's that idea of like I know more than you do and I'm going to kind of hold this knowledge over you yeah it's yeah it's it's kind of it's it's deliciously dickish but the, yeah it has also. Uh, sparked the conversation of personal etiquette uh-huh. of like, well, you should wait a day and a half before. Like, who are you? Like, it's the same thing with like the Olympics. It's like, who are you to tell me 
that I can't, that I can't talk about this thing with my friends. And if you don't want to be friends with me, I guess that's up to you. But if I want to talk about X, Y, and Z getting murdered, Mm -hmm. that's fine. Yeah. I'm allowed to do that. You know, first amendment and the, and Facebook and social media has Twitter have become a platform for spontaneous expression of the exact moment of what's happening. Not you got to wait, which is interesting. One thing that's interesting to me about this and, and TV spoilers in general, I would say is that one of the things you hear about with TV is that network executives can't figure out how to combat time shifting. You know, the fact that you can TiVo a show or have it on your cable box and watch it three days later and just fast forward the commercials and mm. you know, what good does that do the advertisers and the idea of spoilers kind of helps them in a lot of ways because you've now got these shows where if you don't want to be spoiled, you have to watch it, have to watch it. Uh-huh. Yeah. The way we, back when we were kids had to watch it, you just had to watch it when it came out. Now it's interesting. You see something like game of Thrones, which HBO there's no commercials anyway. So there's not as much of a value Mm -hmm. in that, but certainly I think with network stuff, you know, I think there's, it has created more of an emphasis on watching it as it airs, Mm -hmm. which to go back to sports is one reason why that's such a valuable property for networks is because, you know, if you're watching the Super Bowl. You're going to be watching it live. You're going to be watching all the commercials. Most people don't watch it time shifted. Yeah. You see that too with like the kind of prominence of live musicals that they've been airing on yeah. ABC yep. and, yeah. and NBC where it's like, there's this push again to it. They're, they're trying to almost reject the Netflix culture of why well, I can just binge watch all of this mm-hmm. at what time, or I can watch this when I want to. Yeah. And they want to try to take some of that airtime back. Yeah that they think they own or manufacturing event television Mm -hmm. yeah, and competing with Facebook is also doing Facebook live, which they can presume has the currency of a live people thing, not people not wanting to miss anything. Okay. uh, You're up again, Richard. All right. So my last one, I am going with the uh, movie, the crying game, Hmm. which first there are kisses. Then (laughs) there are signs. See, ma'am, I see. I know some of all there is to know about the crying game. Have you? uh, Yeah, please tell us the rest of what there is to know about the crying game. Richard, have have you guys not seen it? Oh, I've seen seen it. it. Okay. I've seen it. I've seen all of it. (laughs) Well, I don't, I don't need to explain what the spoiler is. The spoiler is that dong dong is the spoiler (laughs) alert. Um, If you have not seen it or haven't seen it recently, Stephen Ray is an IRA volunteer tasked with um, taking care of a hostage who's a British soldier played by Forrest Whitaker. They wind up bonding. Forrest Whitaker says, if something happens to me, uh, I want you to take care of my girlfriend, make sure she's taken care of. Uh, He winds up getting run over by a tank basically if I remember correctly. (laughs) So Stephen Ray decides to meet with a girlfriend winds up falling for her. Turns out girlfriend is transgender transgender. Thank you. And it's interesting to me because this, this happens halfway through the movie. I love how delicately you're you're traipsing through this. plot and minefield of transgenderness and well, I, wiener. You just worry that wiener is going to slap you in the face. I'm, I'm worried about that most of the time. Okay. <laughs> so it's, it's a phobia. It happens halfway through. Yeah. It's only maybe yeah. like a half or two thirds away yeah. through the movie. I mean, there is a lot of plot that happens yeah. after that. Yeah. Which 
I remember watching this 20 years ago, maybe 15 mm-hmm. years ago. And so I, I had forgotten that I had forgotten. This wasn't like the big reveal at the end, you know, that this happens. And then there's this whole side plot with Miranda Richardson, where she's mm-hmm. trying to blackmail Stephen Ray to go do another assassination. And, and this sort of happens after all of that. Yeah. So it's fascinating to me that this, most of the time, these big, spoiler alert things are the things that happen at the end. Mm-hmm. Right. And this happens in the middle of it. And then they wind up constructing the rest of the movie kind of partially on the effects of what happens Yeah. after that, when it came out, critics were sworn to secrecy. And it's amazing to me that for the most part, everyone observed it mm-hmm. like people were able, and you mentioned me traipsing around it a little bit. And this is in 2017 when we are collectively, I would, I would like to think a lot, more sensitive and mm-hmm. aware and understanding of transgender transgender rights mm-hmm. and just um, not the same way we would have been in 1992 to be sure. So critics had to find ways to write about this while not only not revealing the big spoiler, but also tiptoeing around the subject, which back then was incredibly taboo. Right. Um, it is interesting side plot. Uh, so Sis- Siskel and Ebert, did their uh these do the uh if we pick the oscars episode every year what what kind of were and so they got i wonder to, how accurate they were i think because they picked whatever they liked so it was yeah usually Did, not very accurate i want to go and that's new research topic for me on monday when i'm at work they go back make, and see see how, how accurate it? they were what make was a, the record make a spreadsheet <laughs> them and miss cleo probably the same record <laughs> You were coming to money, man. And so Jay Davidson had been nominated for best supporting actor, which probably should have been a hint, you know, and this this was, you know, six months after the movie had come out. And so they're getting up there and Gene Siskel decided that was his choice with Jay Davidson for best supporting actor. And he's, as he's starting to talk about it, there is a, right before he starts talking about it, uh, text comes on the screen that says basically says spoiler alert, turn down your volume. Mm, Yeah. And then he goes on to talk about, well, at this point you probably know. And the fact that he's nominated for best supporting actor that, you know, Jay Davidson is playing a a transgendered female in this movie. And that's part of the reason that he actually wound up selecting Jay Davidson as his choice was basically there was no one else who could have played that role as Mm -hmm. well. And what a difficult role it was having to, you know, play a transgendered person and, and kind of go back and forth. And there's elements in the movie where they kind of have to make him male again. If you remember, they're trying to make him kind of quote unquote pass as a male Mm -hmm. and Ebert gets pissed about this. Like they get done with it. And Ebert is like, well, I can't believe you said that. I, you know, I don't know how many people actually did turn down their, their, their volume. And this is a movie that not a lot of people have seen yet, maybe. And now you've just ruined the movie for oh, them. And it's six months after and it was probably like six. I mean, this was, you know, I, Oscars are March or April. Mm-hmm. So it would have at least four or five months. Mm-hmm. I hope, Ebert, I hope like, re, like you could tell it's like legit, not like stagey piss. Like they would get at each other, uh, <laughs> but like actually like upset about uh-huh. this. I hope that when like the, like the Chiron flashed on the screen that said like spoiler alert or turn down your, your volume. I hope that afterwards there was like a Sergio Aragonez like guy sweeping <laughs> it sweep out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Ebert was like legitimately upset about this. And it's a good minute of Ebert ranting about uh, Siskel being an asshole basically for spoiling this, which gets me to the point of how long do we need Mm. what's, and and this is something that came up with like the red wedding or several of these are like walking dead, you know, with movies, particularly how much, how much time is it before it's okay to start talking about the plot, the big plot twist, Mm -hmm. you know, do you, is after opening weekend a month and I, it's a, and it's a different time frame than TV shows too. Yeah. So it's just this, it's this complicated math. It's, fu- and, it's funny. Cause there's, yeah, there is a, if you haven't watched, like if we'll use game of Thrones as the example, it comes out Sunday night. If you haven't watched it by Wednesday, man, yeah, you're, what are you doing? Yeah. You've, you've had three days to watch. You're it. not a fan. You're so, yeah. You're, maybe you're pulling it. Maybe you're doing a two day surgery and you, cause you're a doctor or something. <laughs> like that. But in, with movies, it's interesting. I think that there is just a, a, a way to talk about it without talking about it, that you can say things like, I'm not answering your question because there is no answer because we haven't figured right. it out. Yeah. There's no algebra to this. There's, there's no, sim- no formula. Yeah. It's just like, just be conscious. Yeah. A little bit, everybody. But also understand that, <laughs> you know, this is why Trump won <laughs> an entire country filled of people that just want to spoil the, uh, the red wedding. Right. Rather than people that want to be uh, conscious of other people's uh, actions and their feelings <laughs> and uh, how, you know, think about what someone else is going through for a while. So in, in this scenario, the Starks were, uh, were Hillary Clinton, right? <laughs> I do think with the, that yeah. election, some people thought they knew how it was going to end and didn't take action. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Spoiler alert. It's the red fucking wedding. <laughs> Quite literally. My name is Jeff Hopkins and I've got one job. The job is to be the judge. I listen to what Michael and Richard say. Most of it, some, some of the stuff I tune out, uh, but being a judge isn't easy and it's, but it's a job I take seriously. So uh, I'm going to give these guys points and it's going to get kind of crazy guys. Spoiler alert um, for his, I haven't read the novella, so I'm <laughs> for, for his very personal um, assay of the feelings that he felt when Darth Vader said, no, I am your father. Did he actually say that? Or is that one of those things that's famous misunderstood? He quote? said, no, I am your father, but everyone misquotes it as Luke. I'm your father. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And is Luke's real name Lucas, by the way? No, but I mean, yeah, basically, it be, right. It's, yeah. ba- it's basically a, it's an, it's a portmanteau of George. Uh, Luke S is kind of like Luke Lucas. Yeah. Holy shit. I never, I never, I seriously never realized that guys. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to rethink a lot of things. Uh, there's, I don't feel com- I don't feel comfortable right now. Darth Vader's dark father. Yeah. Well, that I knew idiots, of course. <laughs> well, whoopee woo. <laughs> Chewbacca is chewing tobacco because he looks like something like Han Solo is a solo hand. <laughs> so I love Michael how he went back to um, his childhood moment and he was in the fetal position on the floor when he was re- recanting the moment of learning that uh, the um, dubious Darth Vader or the Darth Vader was saying to Luke that he's his father. And also that wasn't chicken we ate last night. So that was fun to kind of relive that emotion. So you get a point for that. Um, and uh, you both get a point for talking about sports and the Olympics. So that's a point for each of you. So right, right now, Michael's two and Richard's 
one. Richard gets a point for um, the usual suspects. <laughs> Richard gets well. a point. Richard gets a point for the usual suspects. In fact, you know what? Richard gets two points for the usual suspects. Whoa, because, did not see that coming, yeah. guys. And the reason it is because it encapsulates the nature of the argument. And that is when we engage in story, uh, there are multiple aspects to it. And the end of a story is a component that you can remove. And in some cases, it's neither here nor there. In some cases, uh, if you remove it and then put it at the beginning, which is what happens when somebody gives you a spoiler, it ruins the the story for you. So in a way, you've arrived at this uncertain destination before you even get to go on the journey. Um, Michael gets a point for actually researching this damn thing and determining what was the first youth use of this term spoiler alert in the Usenet boards for the death of Spock. I Richard Richard right there. You Richard, you totally you really did. You did, did. This is for you stealing my my <laughs> my categories over the last six months. Truly did not see that coming. <laughs> and I'm looking down here and I get a point for supplying the beverages tonight. Oh, you didn't drink one. No, I didn't. Oh, so you get a point. Okay. Sure. I'm slap happy folks. <laughs> um, listeners of the Mount Rushmore podcast. I love you. This has been the Mount Rushmore podcast. My name is Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. Rosebud was the sleigh. <laughs>